they haven't made those mistakes. You know, they don't have a credit score at all yet, probably. So they haven't tanked that. They don't have student loan debt. They don't have lifestyle inflation. They're kind of a clean slate. And so to talk to them about these things is a great place to start because they haven't developed the habits, the bad habits financially that most adults have. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. Today, we have on Dan Sheeks, author of First to a Million, previous guest. But before we get into that today, let me check in my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody. Um, didn't venture out too far this weekend, the long weekend, and initially had the thought like, hey, there's some cheap flights to Cancun. Let's just fly to Mexico for a couple of days. And then we kind of changed our minds like, ah, we've been on the road so much. We're about to go on the road some more for work trips. And then obviously me and you are going to Mexico for uh, several weeks. So we decided let's stick around the house, knock out some projects and just kind of not stress, not, not run ourselves in the ground. So we did some cooking, watched some football, did some stuff around the house. Like I made these cool wood art pieces that we got hung up in the living room. And so just a few different things, the little little things that we've had on the to-do list forever in prep for trying to get our house ready to Airbnb it eventually. So that was our weekend. How about you, Cody? Before we get into my weekend, so what ultimately did you decide on for the Airbnb strategy? Are you going to do the lock the closet with all the valuables and let them basically roam the rest of the house or just lock the master bedroom or what's the strategy with that? Yeah, so we would do it while we were not here. So the master bedroom would be open, but we would lock our walk-in closets, the pantry, and the garage. Okay, cool. Well, definitely excited to see how that pans out. Don't want to talk about football because that Pats-Bills game was unwatchable as a Pats fan. (laughs) So let's not go there. What I will go to is got some actually really good skiing in this past weekend at Mount Snow. So when up there on Sunday morning, we got about a half day in of skiing. It was decent conditions, but then they got a foot of snow Sunday night going into Monday morning. The driving was abysmal, but you got to trade driving conditions for snowboarding or skiing conditions when you have storms like that. So it took us like 40 minutes to get to the mountain where it should have taken like 15 or 20 from the place we were staying. But it was amazing. Haven't had powder like that in a couple years, honestly, out east. And then this week, we're heading out to Park City, Utah. So I will have more snowboarding adventures to report on this next week. Keeping track of your net worth is one of the most important things you can do on your journey to financial independence. If you don't have an idea of what your net worth is, there's no way that you can keep your quote unquote score. One of our favorite tools to keep this score is called Personal Capital. If you haven't already started using it, it's an online software that basically compiles all of your data, it crunches all your assets, all your liabilities, and spits out a net worth number and allows you to track it day by day, month by month. Yeah, Cody, one of the big things that hold people back when they're doing activities like tracking their expenses or tracking their net worth is just they look at it as a big burden. And this allows you to go in with one username and one password and access as many financial accounts as you have. These can be loans, these can be 401ks, these can be HSAs, bank accounts, credit cards, they're all linked there. The other thing I really like about personal capital is it's very investing focused. So you can go in there and look at your allocation across your entire portfolio. So you don't just look at your allocation in one type of account, but your allocation as a person completely. And if you want to use the same tool that me and Cody use to track our net worth, which is completely free, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash PC. That's thefyshow.com slash PC. 
All right. So like I mentioned quickly at the beginning of the episode, today we have on Dan Sheik's new author of First to a Million. We had Dan on previously in episode 110. You can go check more on his background and his personal financial independence and real estate journey in that episode. But in today's episode, we really focus on his new book, First to a Million. Dan is kind of serving an audience that hasn't really been served specifically in the financial independence or personal finance community before, or at least not that I'm aware of. So his book, First to a Million, A Teenager's Guide to Financial Independence. In this episode, it's interesting to hear Dan talk about why he chose specifically to talk to teenagers. He is a high school teacher, so I am spilling a little bit of the beans there, but he gets into how it's different actually coaching this audience and why he prefers teaching teenagers over adults because, you know, some of the mind traps and mistakes and just how fast you can actually reach financial independence when you start from such an early age. Yeah, Cody, like you mentioned, like you were going skiing earlier this year. Anybody who's into skiing, you get out there on the slopes, you see these like four or five year olds crushing it, just fearless, just taking over. It makes you feel terrible. That's kind of the power of you teach somebody when they're young. Like they don't have all these preconceived notions. They're not scared. They're just like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do and just do it. Also, we all know that time is your biggest like superpower if you have it when you're going towards financial independence. And these kids, if they take hold of this information that Dan is educating them with and they start this at 16, 17 years old, I mean, we're going to see a lot more people retiring even in their 20s, much less their 30s, 40s. It's going to be nuts. So maybe you have some younger people that you would love to kind of get some of this education to. Maybe you're a younger person yourself or you know someone who is. Either way, this is going to be a great episode to share with a lot of people. And you can do that and find all the information about the book at thefyshow.com slash Dan2. That's thefyshow.com slash Dan and the number two. Take it away, Dan. I live in Denver, Colorado. I'm married and my wife and I have a seven-month-old son, which is super, super exciting for us. I have been a public high school teacher for 19 years in Denver. I teach business classes. My wife was a public school teacher as well for 19 years. She taught elementary. She retired maybe three years ago now because she was kind of done teaching. I still love my job, so I keep doing it. We invest in real estate and we enjoy the Colorado outdoors. That's kind of it, I guess, in a nutshell. But, you know, the thing we're really focusing on today is this book. So tell me kind of like when you started thinking about coming out with this book and what all led into your decision to, you know what, there's a space out there that I need to fill with this book. The original idea was actually for a checklist. And that idea came when I had actually Scott Trench and Craig Curlop were coming into my classroom here in Denver to talk to my students about early financial independence, frugality, house hacking, side hustles, and those kinds of things. I'm lucky, geographically lucky, that I live in Denver, where those guys live. So when they were coming to talk to my students in my classroom, the idea of coming up with a checklist kind of formulated because my students were asking, you know, they wanted more of actionable steps, like tell me what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And that made sense to me. So I thought, well, I'll come up with a checklist for my students in my classroom to follow through with something like house hacking, for instance. That checklist and quickly grew into more of a workbook because it just became the steps needed a lot of explanation. And that became so big that just decided to chop it into two and have a book first that kind of goes over the basics, the principles and tactics around early financial independence. And then the workbook is kind of the second piece where they actually get into, okay, here's what I need to do in this four month phase of my life. Here's what I need to do 
Like for instance, the summer between my junior and senior year of high school, here's what I should be doing. So that's where the idea came from was basically just talking to kids in my classroom. So name of the book, First to a Million, subheading A Teenager's Guide to Achieving Financial Freedom or Early Financial Freedom, sorry. Didn't want to mess up the subtitle there. But what's interesting is that, you know, you're taking the spin on it and you are a high school teacher. You're talking to these kids. And for those who did listen to that last episode, episode 110, Dan talked about his awesome mastermind, Sheik's Freaks, where he's helping you know, high school students all around the country kind of get that next level in financial freedom. But what does that conversation actually look like? Like, what are the different steps? What are the different things that you're teaching someone who's you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, rather than the 40 year old that just discovers financial independence? What I always laugh at is that I think because I deal with young people, and I like to say that my niche is like 15 to 25 years old. That's kind of my, my wheelhouse. So dealing with them is so much easier than I think dealing with adults who have already made you know, massive mistakes financially. They've tanked their credit score. They've racked up tens of thousands of dollars of student loan debt. They've engaged in lifestyle inflation. And they're used to spending every, every dollar they make for the most part. Whereas teenagers, they haven't made those mistakes. You know, they don't have a credit score at all yet, probably. So they haven't tanked that. They don't have student loan debt. They don't have lifestyle inflation. They're kind of a clean slate. And so to talk to them about these things is a great place to start because they haven't developed the habits, the bad habits financially that most adults have. And, you know, I actually had the privilege to get to go and talk to my old high school this past week and kind of give them a talk on a little bit about my story, a little bit about, you know, frugality and a little bit about like the power of compounding interest and those kind of things, just kind of introducing the topic to them. And, you know, I tried to hit them with a, something that would make them pay attention, right? Tried to show them like the success I had and like, it was kind of like, whoa, you know, that, oh, okay, you can do this at this age. And that did seem to work. But at the same time, like it seems hard to like capture that attention of someone that age, like for them to take it serious. It's obviously not the sexiest conversation. I mean, it takes someone who's maybe a little wise beyond their years sometimes to grab a hold of something like this. Like, what have you found that worked to not only just capture that attention, but then to get them to stay with it? Because it is such a long game. It is. If you go into a classroom and you're talking to high school kids about their financial future, <laughs> that's a tough sell, isn't it? Like, I'm sure you've kind of felt maybe some blank stares or some disinterested students sitting in those desks. And I feel you, like every day I'm in my classroom, there's some of that going on. And it's not easy. I think I can tell you this, more of them were listening than you think. Teenagers, and maybe adults too, they can sit and listen to what you're saying, but not seem like they're really paying attention. But some of it's sinking in. Not every single one, right? But more than you probably thought. And so the idea is that it's about piquing their interest up front. I think you had a great strategy, Justin, when you went in there. Not sure how you did it, but I will talk about things like, hey, do you want to know how to retire before your parents retire? Like that can kind of get them like, what do you mean? How could I do that? Not that it's a competition. Or just throwing out the option of, you know, we all are in this society thinking that we have to work until we're 65, that that's the only path that we're given as an option do you know there's other options that can get you to early financial independence, say two, three, four decades before 65? You know, it's not that difficult. It's not easy, but it's not that difficult to get there. And that's another thing that, and then kind of talk about the benefits of early FI, the uh, ability to spend your time doing what you want, when you want, with who you want. As you guys know, you can't put a number on that. But I will say, you know, some young people just aren't there yet. Where they're at in their journey they're not 
going to take all the information and just run with it. But that seed will be planted maybe 5, 10, 15 years down the road. When they're working a full-time job and they hate it, they might go back and say, oh, I remember that one time that guy, Justin, came and talked to me in my classroom and he mentioned these things. I'm going to go Google that and see what he and see if I remember what he was talking about. And then, you know, maybe they're down the rabbit hole at that point. But for me, it's all about saying there are other options. Maybe they're for you. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're for you today. Maybe they're not. But at least now you know they're there. As someone who has a ton of experience like yourself in the classroom, knowing what works, you see the blank stares. Sometimes you see students getting really engaged. How did you think about going and structuring the book? Is it very informational where it's like, this is how you open a Roth IRA and this is how much you contribute and this is the brokerage you should use? Or is it more story-based where you're like showing real examples of people and talking about different ideologies and different ways to live your life? Or is it a combination of the two? It's both. I'll go back to, I think the most engaging piece is the workbook, the second piece, because that is telling students what they want to. I mean, students are trained in high school and in college to just jump through the hoops. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Tell me what I need to do to get the A, and that's what I will do. And for better or worse, that's kind of how our education system is set up. So the workbook does that. It says, here's exactly what you need to do. Check off these boxes, and now you're getting an A, meaning that you're on your way to early financial independence. The book itself, which is, I think, still pretty important. I have a lot of featured freaks in the book, so case studies of young people who are financially independent or who are on their way to that early financial independence marker, so they can read stories from them. I tell a few stories from my own background, but then it's all about just laying out the tactics and the strategies, the things they can do in a way that hopefully every teenager can understand it. And that's something that teachers, you know, something we should be good at. I think I'm articulate when I explain things so that anybody can understand it so that they all can pick up and say, because if someone's reading my book and they get lost, they'll stop. No one's going to force them. It's not an assignment. So if it's confusing to the reader, then they're just not going to read it. It was priority number one to write it in a way that a 14, 15 year old could read it and say, oh, I get this. This makes sense. It's easy to understand. You know, one thing you mentioned earlier was the fact that it's got the parts of it was like, okay, for this four month section of your life, this four month section of your life. And it sounds like something kind of builds on itself. Is it flexible enough to where if someone gets a hold of it and they're already 18, 19, and they've missed some of those milestones or they didn't do exactly what the textbook said in those four-month periods leading up to a certain point, can they kind of recover and still use the book going forward? Yeah, great question. The workbook is very flexible. I kind of explain how to adjust it as needed in the beginning, and then it goes into those four-month, what I call freak phases. So every four months, there's a new list of tasks that they should get done in that four month time period. But it doesn't matter if they're 14 or 19, or honestly, if they're 45, no matter what, if you're a beginner in this early financial independence pathway, the book and the workbook will get you started no matter where you're at. And for those who, I know, cause we were definitely going to get this question, like, is this applicable to, and I know you mentioned if you're 18 or 45 and you made mistakes or haven't made mistakes, is there different language for different people? Like, are you jumping around? Would you like start on chapter seven if you're at some point in your financial journey? Or is it like start from the beginning, go through all the lessons and they apply to everyone and you just kind of take what works for you, take the pieces that you can apply to your own life? Yeah, I would say for the book, you definitely just go cover to cover. It's a pretty easy read and quick read. So I would do that. For the workbook, yeah, if you grabbed the workbook, you know, and you're a little on the older side, 
I would go through the table of contents and kind of see where you're at. I mean, it walks the reader through getting your first credit card, for instance, or opening a savings account and a checking account. Most people 19 to 45 have already done those things. So you can kind of fast forward and start where you need to. And, you know, I'm kind of curious as, as the book is starting to get out there, maybe you start to get some more feedback. Can you envision having like revisions of this to where it's like, oh, you know what? I didn't think about that. Or I, I see that, you know, how that could be a little confusing or, yeah, that strategy may not work in this situation. Are you already thinking about like a second revision? Kind of. <laughs> so the book is not perfect, right? This is the first book I've ever written. I'm super grateful to Bigger Pockets who published the book. They have amazing editors and designers and, and cover design was great. They fixed a lot of my mistakes. But, you know, there's still some things in there that I probably, if I had a chance, would, would revise. I'm sure some of those things will come to light as more people start reading and reviewing the book. But I'm not going to sit here and say that every word is perfect. The revisions, though, you know, I, I think a, a revision of First to a Million is probably a possibility five, 10 years down the road. What's more of a possibility, I think, so first to a million, the subtitle is A Teenager's Guide to Early Financial Freedom. I can see, you know, if this book does well, I can see another version of it, like a college student's guide to early financial freedom. Because if a 22-year-old is given this book and the, the word teenagers on the cover, they may just say, you know, I'm not going to read that. It's not for me. When really it is, it wouldn't take a whole lot to revise the teenager version of First Two Million into a college student version um, and open up the door to some other young people. So we'll just wait and see if that's something we do. I think that's just so important because it's really, I mean, all three of us in this conversation know that it doesn't take rocket science to become wealthy if you start really early. Like if you could just get someone to put like a Roth IRA auto invest, like max it out every year when they're 18 to whenever they retire, like they're going to have millions of dollars just because of the power of compound interest. So I love that. I love like just even getting them a little bit excited. They'll take a little bit of action. They don't have to do everything. They don't have to go and buy a house mm-hmm. when they're 19. Like I know some of your sheiks freaks have. They don't have to, you know, be making $50,000 a year while they're in college doing side hustle stuff. But if they just take like a tiny little bit of action, it's going to go so far. I'm curious, Dan, what re- types of results are you hoping to see? Or what types of results have you already been seeing? Or what types of feedback have you already been getting that's been, you know, motivational and inspiring? Yeah, I think it's too early to tell, you know, if the book's going to, you know, change some lives. I hope it I hope it will. But initially, so the book as we record this today has been available for two weeks and it's been doing well. I mean, I think there's definitely a need for this is the only book, to my knowledge, that is specifically for teenagers or young people that is about early financial independence. There are definitely a lot of books for adults about early financial independence, and there are a lot of books for teenagers about personal finance in general, but this is not either of those. This is a, there is some basic personal finance in First to a Million as there needs to be, but it's really an early financial independence book specifically for teenagers. So there's a need for it. You know, it's just about getting, the mission of the book is to inform young people that they have options. It is not to tell someone that they should pursue early financial independence or they should let's say house hack, or they should start a business. I won't do that. I won't tell someone what they should do, but it, it's, I think my mission is to say there are options and you don't have to work till you're 65. If you don't want to, here's the pathway to get there. But if you don't want to take that path, then that's fine too. So it sounds like the workbook especially is very structured, walking through exactly what someone needs to do in steps. 
But I'm kind of curious, do you go over the things they shouldn't do? Like, okay, you know, you're saying definitely do A, B, and C, but then you have a section saying, please, please avoid D, E, and F and, and talk about like the ramifications that come with those decisions. We will be right back to the show after this quick word from our amazing sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever, and I can definitely attest to this. So much time spent searching for, interviewing the wrong candidates, the wrong people to hire for a job opening that could be spent on growing your business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it much easier to actually find candidates that are worth interviewing. So it's not just wasting your time. And the best part is that it's free. As someone who owns a couple small businesses, I can tell you how important it is to actually get that right team in place. Because once you start to outsource strategically, you can start to focus on the bigger picture stuff for your business. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to find those perfect people to join your team. There's over 750 million people on the platform, and there's candidates with every skill you can imagine and definitely one that can fit your wants and needs. Plus, with a company as big as LinkedIn, they do a really good job actually filtering through candidates and prioritizing who you'd like to interview, who you'd like to hire, and who's a good fit for your role. This is an opportunity to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash show. That's linkedin.com slash show to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I'll throw a big one out there. How about the, you know, the idea of should I go to college or not, right? You know, I don't tell anyone that they should or shouldn't go to college, but I do say there's a wrong way to do it and there's a wrong reason to go to college. Um, if you're going to graduate with a degree you're not going to use and you spent a hundred grand to get it, that's, that's a mistake. That's a really big mistake. So don't do that. You know, I talk about not engaging in lifestyle inflation, you know, which if listeners aren't aware, you know, every time you make some more money, you get a bonus or a raise, you're just increasing your spending. So you're not putting away the extra or some, at least some of the extra money towards your future self. So yeah, I talk about things not to do, but it's more of a book focused on here's the pathway. Here's what you want to do to get there. I tell the reader that you need to get credit cards. It's a tool to build credit score, which is a tool to get debt, which is a tool to leverage and build wealth. Don't get a credit card and max it out or miss payments or spend more than you can pay off in a given month. So I talk about you know things not to do around a lot of the things, but it's more of a book about here's to do what you need to do to get there. When it comes to the investing front, is it kind of equally focused on all different investment opportunities like real estate, like index funds, like maybe even some more riskier options like individual stocks and you know crypto? Or is it mostly focused on just maybe one or two of those? It's mostly focused on a couple. And so the meat of the book is divided into what I call the the four mechanisms of early financial independence. The first one is earn more. Second one, spend less. Third one is save the difference. And the fourth one is invest the difference wisely, invest your savings wisely. And so in that section of the book, I do talk about what, what I think, and I, I think is pretty universally agreed upon, the, the two main ways that people in this community, in this early financial independence community, the two ways that seem to always kind of rise to the top, and that's index fund investing and real estate investing. So in that one section of the book, the book isn't just about investing, it's not just about real estate investing. But in that section, I talk about those two strategies as the ones that have proven to be the most successful over a long period of time. I do touch on crypto and some other types of investing. I, I talk about you know starting a side hustle or a business as a way to build wealth. I wouldn't call that an investment per se, but it can turn into one. And so, yeah, those are the two investing strategies that we go over. And just maybe as like a spot check for how tactical and granular this book gets, if 
you know, when I was talking to the class and mentioned something like, you know, investing in stocks, the first question was, well, how do I even do that? Like, what's the name of the website I go to? Like, does it get into literally how to open up some of these accounts? Do you just pick a couple different common platforms or does it just say, hey, you should open these things? The book doesn't get into the specific details. The workbook absolutely does. And so there's a section in the workbook that says on your 18th birthday, right? So every every phase is four months, but that's the only one where it is dependent on when your birthday is. So on your 18th birthday, you're going to get your first credit card. You're going to open up your own checking account, your own savings account. You may have hopefully had one with an account with a parent before, but now you can get your own one and you're going to open a brokerage account as an 18-year-old. I walk them through the exact, I mean, there's a checklist make a call, do the research, where are you going to go? And so it takes them through every single step to get that brokerage account set up, to get money in there, to get money invested in the right way through the brokerage account and so on. So obviously one of the biggest things for this age group, we just keep coming back to the same idea is college. It's literally one of the biggest topics out there right now with the student loan debt crisis and just everything that goes around in investing your time, your money, your energy into getting a degree. Just curious on your thoughts when you're, you're talking to this group that they're probably getting so much societal pressure, so much parental pressure when they're 16, 17 years old to go sign up for a college, figure out what college you're going to attend. What's kind of your take on that from, I guess, both a personal standpoint and a financial standpoint as well? It's a tough question, I think is kind of what it comes down to. And it's getting asked more and more often today as college tuitions keep going up and up. And so there's two chapters in the book that are specifically about college. They were the hardest chapters to write in the entire, I think there's 30 chapters about in the book. Those are the two toughest. And at the end, I don't tell the reader what to do. I say, you know, here's the pros and cons to going to college If you choose to follow a pathway to early financial independence, here's how college can help you. Here's how it can hurt you. Because the lens looks, it's a little different. If you're going to college for a 40-year career versus going to college for maybe a 10 or 15 or 20-year career or maybe five-year career, right? So it's a different lens to look through. And so I walk them through that and to weigh the pros and cons. But in the end, it's, it's really up to that person and their family. But I say, if you do go to college, the number one thing you need to figure out is, How are you going to graduate with zero student loan debt? That's the freakish way to do it. And if early financial independence is a goal, that's probably the most significant thing that you can do is to find out how to do college without borrowing any money. And I know, you know, I can tell your stance is more like, let me give you the information. I'm going to tell you exactly what you have to do in some of these situations. Um, But just, you know, you want to give them the options and let them make up their own decision But maybe someone you could give some direct information to are like some parents. So if they don't have the access to a teacher like yourself in their school, and maybe they don't have the book yet, um, but the parents want to instill some of these principles in their kids. And they are this age, you know, they are this, you know, 15 to, to 18. They haven't left the house yet. What's like maybe just one tactical thing that they could walk away from this episode with and try to instill in their own life and, and bring home and put some of this into practice for their kids? I'll say this, if, if I had a 17-year-old, 18-year-old high school student, what I would be doing is having a lot of conversations about money in our day-to-day life so that it's not a taboo topic and that so my kid understands money. And I'd be giving them a lot of freedom to make mistakes while they're living with me and not off into the real world. And so I think that's much more valuable you know, to allow them to make mistakes overdraft a checking account, 
bounce a check, miss a credit card payment, see how much interest that, that costs them, stuff like that. But then when it comes to college, you know, my advice, well, what I would do is to say, talk to my, my kid and say, do you know what you want to do for the next five to 10 years of your life? And if that aligns with college, then, then do it. And if it doesn't, then I'm a big fan of the gap year, which is becoming more popular, where a high school graduating senior might take a year off from education. And there's a number of different things you can do in a year, travel, volunteer work, service work, internship, job, jobs. You can work three months here, three months there, and a year's a long time. So just giving them the opportunity to grow and learn who they are and what they want to do, even for just a year, is I think an amazing option. And then if if college is still the choice, they didn't really miss anything by starting college a year later than they would have anyway. And so I would give them that advice. And I can think of this really cool community off the top of my head that they might be interested in joining if they are in that age group. And they are wanting to achieve financial independence in their you know, 20s, 30s, or, you know, some of these kids were like saying they want to <laughs> retire at 22 or 23 when I was talking to them in your group, Dan. The online group is called Sheik's Freaks. And Cody, thank you again for coming on as a guest. We have amazing guests come on on a regular basis because we have a weekly Sunday night Zoom call with the community. And Cody, when you were on, it was awesome. Yeah. So the community is full of 15 to 25 year olds from across the country, even a few outside of the US. And they're all super motivated around early financial independence and everything that falls under that umbrella, which is you know, real estate investing, entrepreneurship, mindset, frugality, side hustles, earning extra income, and all different kinds of investing. And so this is a place where those young people who are not the norm, right? I mean, these are the young people who are super interested and motivated to maximize their financial future, but they can come together and be around like-minded people and really prosper. Because as we all know, you are the sum of who you spend the most time with, that Jim Rohn quote that I always <laughs> mess up. And so in this community, they really can connect and they do. And you know, they, they form friendships that go beyond the community. Here's a cool story. So I had a book launch party at Bigger Pockets headquarters about a week ago. And I invited the members of my Sheik's Freaks community to come because I wrote the book really for people like them. We had five of the Sheik's Freaks members that came to the book launch party. Three of them flew in from out of state. They paid for their own flight, their own hotel, just to be there at the party to celebrate the book and to meet the other people who are coming, the other Sheik's Freaks in their community, and to meet me, I think, and some of the Bigger Pockets people. But this has happened on a regular basis where these young people are flying across the country to meet other members of the community that they've met because it becomes such great friends and they have so much in common and they're so driven. Uh, it's, it's fun to watch from my perspective, honestly. Well, you're doing a great job of captivating this, these younger people and this group of people who really are underserved in this kind of material. So we really appreciate that. And we're sure that a lot of people are listening. You know, one last time, we'd just like to hear the name of the book or AKA books, because the book and the workbook, where they can find it and where they can just find more information about yourself and the Sheik's Freaks. Yeah, I appreciate it. So the book is called First to a Million, A Teenager's Guide to Achieving Early Financial Independence. The workbook is just the first to a million workbook. Pretty simple. They're both available on Bigger Pockets. I think it's biggerpockets.com slash teen. And they're available other places as well. I'm not supposed to pitch the A word, but if you go to that other online marketplace, you can find the books there. The Sheik's Freaks community, if anyone's interested in joining that, just go to sheiksfreaks.com. And there's a, a big button right in the middle that says join the community. You can learn all about it first. There's a, 
a free membership and there's a paid membership level. And the paid one has a seven-day free trial. So it's a community that is not for everyone, but for those who are those young people who are super motivated, it is a place where you will find like-minded freaks that you can crush it with. Awesome, man. Well, just want to thank you again for taking the time to talk about the book with us. It was a pleasure to have you back on the show and kind of catch up. And I know you were just grinding and grinding for the last couple of months, getting everything ready for the launch. So congrats on the launch and thank you so much for coming on. Thanks guys for having me. It was a blast and keep doing what you're doing. Keep crushing it and look forward to talking to you soon. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thebuyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available. The very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.